Welcome to the Banner of Truth broadcast. This program is brought to you by the Free Reformed Churches of North America. Your host is Pastor Jack Schumann, pastor of the Emmanuel Free Reformed Church of Abbotsford, British Columbia. And now, here is Pastor Jack Schumann. Turn with me, please, to the Gospel of Mark as we read together chapter 12, the verses 28 to 34. Hear the word of God. Then one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, Which is the first commandment of all? Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second, like it, is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So the scribe said to him, Well said, teacher, you have spoken the truth, for there is one God, and there is no other but he. And to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Now when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. But after that, no one dared question him. This ends the reading of the Holy Word of God. May the Lord bless the reading and preaching of it to our hearts. Dear friends, every single human being on the face of the earth stands in one of two relations to the kingdom of God. We are either inside the kingdom or outside the kingdom. We are either saved or not saved. Of those who are outside the kingdom, there are those who are well outside. Such people can be religious or non-religious. If they are religious, they do everything that is expected of them. They go to church. They go to Bible study. They live outwardly decent lives, but their heart is not in it. They have no real interest in the things of God. They take no real delight in his word, in his church, or in his people. They are simply going through the motions. They are playing the hypocrite. If they are not religious, they live in and for the world. They don't care at all about the things of God. They're living only for themselves. But there are also those who are just barely outside the kingdom. These people have a certain love for God and his word. They take the things of God very seriously. They come to church faithfully. They listen carefully to the preaching of the word. They know their doctrine. They think well of Christ. They may even have made a confession of their faith before God and his church. They may be orthodox and conservative in their lifestyle. They may, they may have even experienced a certain measure of conviction of sin and have a certain trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, but they are not saved. They are not far from the kingdom, but neither are they in the kingdom. Now, the scribe in our text was one such person. 
Concerning him, Jesus said, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And it's to these words that we turn our attention with the Lord's help. My theme is not far from the kingdom. And we'll consider, first of all, the terrible tragedy of this, and secondly, the gracious remedy for this. It was Tuesday, a few days before the Passover feast. Jesus and the disciples were in the temple in Jerusalem. While they were there, Jesus came under attack by the religious leaders of the Jews. First, he was attacked by the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders on the issue of authority. They wanted to know by what authority he did the things that he did. Specifically, how the day before he drove out of the temple those who bought and sold, and he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. Then he was attacked by the Pharisees and the Herodians on the issue of paying taxes to Caesar. Following that, he was attacked by the Sadducees, who questioned him about the doctrine of the resurrection. We can read all of this earlier in this text chapter. The purpose of these attacks was the same. It was to undermine his popularity among the people and to find something to accuse him of so that they could put him to death. But every time the religious leaders attacked Jesus, they were unsuccessful. Again and again and again, Jesus repelled their attacks. He silenced his accusers, leaving them feeling angry and frustrated. And finally, the Pharisees had had enough. Shortly after Jesus silenced the Sadducees on the question of the resurrection, the Pharisees gathered together to decide what to do next. And after deliberating for some time, they decided to send a certain scribe, Matthew calls him a lawyer, and instructed him to approach Jesus and ask him a question about the law. And we have a record of that question in verse 28 of our text chapter. And there the man is recorded as asking our Lord, which is the first, or in other words, the greatest commandment of all? Now, this was what we might call a very loaded question, meaning it was designed to trap Jesus in his words. If Jesus answered the question, he could be accused of elevating one commandment over the other. But if he refused to answer the question, he could be accused of hiding something, of being evasive. And so he asked him, which is the greatest commandment of all? Now we might think that Jesus would have waffled on this question. After all, it was not an easy question to answer. How would you answer this question? But Jesus did no such thing. Without a moment's hesitation, he said to this man, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like it, namely this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Now, in giving this answer, Jesus is combining two verses from the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 6, verse 5, and Leviticus 19, verse 18. 
And in so doing, in combining these two verses together, Jesus provided a brilliant summary of the entire law of God. The first four commandments, or the first table of the law, can be summarized by the statement, love God above all. The following six commandments, the so-called second table of the law, can be summarized by the statement, love your neighbor as yourself both of which statements are found in the scriptures themselves. But Jesus, in providing this answer, also provided an unassailable answer to the scribe. The scribe had tried to trip Jesus up by making him say something that would open him up to criticism. But who could criticize Jesus for saying that the greatest commandment in the law is love? Love for God and love for one's neighbor especially since that's exactly what the scripture said. So rather than get tripped up, Jesus once again silenced his attackers. Well, how did the scribe respond to this? Well, we might have thought that he would have been angry at Jesus for turning the tables on him, so to speak, but that was not the case. Instead, the man was very much impressed. In fact, he openly commended our Lord. And we read in verse 32 and 33 that the scribe said to him, Well, master, you have said the truth. For there is one God, and there is no other but he. And to love him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, and with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love his neighbor as himself, is more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Then upon hearing that answer, our Lord said to him, The words of our text you are not far from the kingdom of God. Pay careful attention to what our Lord says here. He says, you are not far. Why did Jesus say that this man was not far from the kingdom of God? He said this for several reasons. First of all, because the man called him master. This man knew that Jesus was no ordinary person. He was a master. And therefore, he deserved at least some measure of respect. And to be sure, in chapter 12, verse 14, the Herodians also called him master, but they were being disingenuous. That's not true of this scribe. He meant what he said. He acknowledged that Jesus had every right to be called master, and he had no hesitation in referring to him as such. But secondly, this scribe appreciated our Lord's answer. He said, well said. The original Greek could also be translated as an exclamation, so that the man is really saying, right on, or excellent, or even beautiful. He also agreed with what our Lord said. You have said the truth, he said. Specifically, he agreed that the greatest commandment of all is, as Jesus said, to love God above all and to do so with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength and to love our neighbor as ourselves. What is more, he believed this was exactly the right answer to his question. But thirdly, he acknowledged the superiority of internal religion over external religion. This man said that to love God with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is more, he said, than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. 
This man understood what the scribes and Pharisees and chief priests did not. And that is that what God wants from you and from me is not merely outward obedience, but inward. He doesn't simply want us to observe some outward forms and rituals. He wants us to worship and serve him with our heart, our whole heart. But fourthly, this man said all these things publicly. Even though some of his colleagues may have been standing close by, and even though what he had said would surely be widely reported. But this did not seem to bother him. He was impressed with Jesus, and he was not afraid to say so. And Jesus knew this. And so he said to the man, You are not far from the kingdom of God. Now, dear friends, there have been many such people also in the church. Some of them are mentioned in the Bible, in fact. Judas Iscariot was not far from the kingdom. He was one of the twelve. He spent three years with the Lord Jesus, listening to his teaching, observing his miracles. He was such a faithful disciple that no one suspected that he might be the one to betray the Lord Jesus. Even when he left the upper room during the Passover feast, he was not far from the kingdom. Demas was a colleague of the Apostle Paul, a fellow laborer in the gospel, and yet he forsook him in his greatest hour of need, having loved this present world. He too was not far from the kingdom. Diotrephes was a laborer in the gospel, but he refused to receive John and the other apostles because he loved to have the preeminence. He was not far from the kingdom. Ananias and Sapphira were faithful, upstanding members of the church. And yet they lied to the Holy Spirit, and they were killed on the spot. They too were not far from the kingdom. Hebrews 6 mentions those who were once enlightened, had tasted the heavenly gift, had become partakers of the Holy Spirit, had tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, and yet they fell away crucifying again for themselves the Son of God and putting him to an open shame. They too were not far from the kingdom. And in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says on the day of judgment, there will be many who will say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? But Jesus will say to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. These people, too, were not far from the kingdom. Yes, dear friends, the history of the church is littered with the corpses of those who were not far from the kingdom of God. And there are still many such people in the church today. They know many things about the Bible. They learned about God from their parents at home and in Sunday school and Christian school. They may even for a time have been convicted of their sins and tried to turn over a new leaf. They were seeking the Lord. They were making diligent and careful use of the means of grace. They attended church. They prayed. They read the Bible regularly and faithfully. They may even have made a confession of faith and attended the Lord's Supper. But they're not in. They're not far. But they're not in. Why is that? Why are there so many who are not far but not in? Well, some fail to see their great need. They think they are not so bad, certainly not as bad as many others that they know. 
And so they don't see their need to repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And they've never experienced the depth of their sin before God. They've never been humbled on account of their sin. They never learned to cry out with the publican in the temple, Lord, have mercy upon me, the sinner. Some of them fail to see their great danger. They think they have plenty of time to repent. Or they think that hell is reserved only for really bad people. And since I'm not that bad, I won't go to hell. Some of them are trying to earn salvation by their works without realizing that our works count for nothing towards our salvation, that they are in fact filthy rags before the Lord and are therefore completely unacceptable to him. Some people have a wrong understanding of the marks of grace. They think that the marks of grace are things that qualify us to come to Christ. Consequently, if they lack certain marks, they feel they may not come to Christ, lest they be guilty of stealing him. Others rest in their marks or in their spiritual experiences rather than in Christ. Some are deceiving themselves. They think they're saved, but they're not. They have never been savingly wrought upon by the Holy Spirit of God. They've never experienced their sin. They've never come to faith in Christ. They're not bearing fruit to his glory. Some have a wrong view of election. They think, well, if only the elect are saved, then they first must find out whether they are one of the elect. And when they are, when they found that out, then they may come to Christ. Or they say, if only the elect are saved, then I can do nothing about my own salvation. I might as well sit back and wait for God to do something, if he even wants to do something. Some despair of ever being saved because they're too sinful without realizing that Christ is able and willing to save even the most vile of sinners. Well, yes, there are many reasons why some are not far, but not in. Let me ask you, are any of these true for you today? Where do you stand in relation to the kingdom of God? Are you in or are you out? Or are you almost in? Oh, how tragic to be not far, but not in the kingdom of God. Of God. In the Old Testament, the Lord commanded Moses to set aside six cities as cities of refuge. And anyone who killed someone accidentally could flee to one of those cities. As long as they were in the city, the manslayer, that is, the person who was seeking to avenge the death of the deceased, could not harm him. And the point is that the person who killed someone had to be in the city. It was not enough to be near the city. It was not enough even to be at the gates of the city. You actually had to be in the city. If you were not in the city, your life was in grave danger. And my friends, the same is true for us. It's not enough to be just outside the kingdom. We must be in it. If we are not in it, we will perish. When you say, how can we get in? That brings me to my second point. How can you and I get in to this kingdom? Well, let's be very clear on this much. We cannot get in by the works of the law. That's what this man thought. As a scribe, he believed that simply by keeping the law, he could earn his own way into heaven. And maybe that's why he asked Jesus the question that he did. He wanted to know which commandment he had to obey in order to earn his way into heaven. But what this man failed to realize was that we cannot get in by the works of the law because none of us is capable of keeping the law. We break the law every day again because of our sinful human nature. 
nor can we get in by anything in us. Not our spiritual experiences, not our good works, not our baptism, not our membership in the covenant of grace, not our tears, not our sincerity, not our seriousness, not our religion can give us entrance into the kingdom of God. There's only one way to get into the kingdom. It's by a true and living faith in Jesus Christ. Why is that the only way? Because only Christ can qualify us for entrance into the kingdom. You see, he paid the penalty for sin by dying on the cross. And he earned for us the righteousness that we need in order to stand before God and live. And when we believe on his name, when we look to him as the only hope and ground of our salvation, then his payment becomes our payment and his righteousness becomes our righteousness. He is the door. In order to enter into the sheepfold, we must go through the door. Jesus says those who climb in some other way are the thieves and the robbers. So I ask you, have you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ? Maybe somebody says, well, I can't just believe, can I? Are we not dead in trespasses and sins? Does that not mean I can do nothing towards my salvation? Yes, it does. But my friend, God can give you what you need. He commands us to repent and believe, but he also gives what he commands. He will enable you to repent and believe. He will do whatever is necessary to save sinners if you ask him. For this is why he came. This is why he suffered and died and rose again. So that sinners like you and like me could be saved. But maybe someone says, well, how do I know if the Lord will receive me? Does the Lord not desire to receive all sinners to himself? Did he not also desire to receive this man? You notice that our Lord did not say to this man, you are outside the kingdom of God. Now that would have been a true statement, but that's not what Jesus said. He said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. Why did Jesus put it like that? Was it not to encourage this man? Was our Lord not seeking to allure this man to come to faith in him? It was as though he was saying, you're not far. You're not far. Don't stop now. Take one more step and you'll be in. Look to me and you will be saved. So great was his love and concern for this man. And so great is his love and concern for all sinners, also you who are not far from the kingdom today. The Lord in our text is not seeking to discourage you, no. Rather, he's seeking to encourage you. And he is saying, you're almost there. Don't give up. Take one more step and you'll be in. Oh, will you do so? Oh, yes, I know, we cannot take this or any step apart from the Lord's grace. And yet, my friend, if we're not far, we must. If we don't, if we don't take that step, we will surely perish in our sins. Oh, do you still hesitate? Let me induce you by reminding you 
that those who come to Christ will receive many benefits. They will receive the pardon of all of their sins. Every sin that they have ever committed from the beginning of their life to the end of the life will be wiped away. The slate will be wiped entirely clean. And they will have peace with God. And they will be adopted as a son or a daughter of God. And they will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And when they die, eternal life with God in Christ. Oh, are these not wonderful benefits? The Lord Jesus Christ offers to each and every sinner who comes under the preaching of his word a treasure chest of benefits. And he says to each and every one, here, it's yours. Take it freely. Oh, why then would you be content to remain at a distance? Imagine you were walking through a hot, dry, sandy desert. You've not had anything to drink for several days. And in the distance, you see an oasis with an abundance of cool, clear water. And as you crawl towards that water on the verge of death, would you stand some distance away and simply admire the oasis and imagine what it must be like to drink of its cool waters? Would not far be close enough for you? Of course not. If you had any sense at all, you would jump into that water with both feet and drink until, until you could drink no more. And so it is here as well. When it comes to the kingdom of God, my friends, not far is not close enough. And so stop your foolishness. Lay down your weapons. Set aside your conditions. Come to Christ and you shall be saved. This man was not far from the kingdom. What happened to him? Did he take that last step? Did he believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? We don't know. The Bible doesn't say. We certainly hope so. But let's not be concerned about this man. He had his chance, and now he is dead. Rather, let us be concerned about ourselves. Do not be content to remain on the threshold of the kingdom of God. Not far is too far. You must be in, or you will perish. I'm reminded here of the ending of John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. While all the other pilgrims had safely entered the celestial city along came a man called Ignorance. He quickly found a ferryman called Vain Hope who took him across the river to the gates of the city, thus avoiding all of the difficulties that Christian and Hopeful had experienced along the way. And when he knocked on the gate, he was asked for his certificate, but he did not have one. And so Bunyan says they bound him hand and foot and carried him to another door and threw him into the pit. And Bunyan writes this, and I quote, Then I saw that there was a way to hell, even from the very gates of heaven, as well as from the city of destruction. Not far, but not in. Oh, may God give us grace to get in and to stay in to his glory and our salvation. Amen.
Dear friends, we always appreciate hearing from our listeners. If you were blessed by or have a comment on the message you've heard today, won't you please take a moment and let us know. Our mailing address is Banner of Truth, 3386 Mount Lehman Road. Lehman is spelled L-E-H-M-A-N, and that's in Abbotsford, British Columbia, V4X2M9. Or give me a call at 778-982-9102. If you would like to listen to the message you've just heard again, or if you would like more information about our program, including how to contact us and how to listen to other messages on this program, please visit our website at banneroftruthradio.com. That's all one word, banneroftruthradio.com. Thank you for listening, and now until next week, May the Lord be with you all.